And I think it depends. If you're looking for a good manager, that's different than looking for a good leader. Mm. And here's wait, here's wait, wait, I, wait. Yeah, explain yeah. that, Mike. Okay. I don't know. Here's I'm what curious. I said. If you are looking for a good manager, not a good leader. Well, let me explain it this way. When Martin Luther King, obviously a very charismatic and a leader. Martin Luther King right? Jr. or his dad? Martin Luther King Jr. All right, I'm with okay, you. Obviously a great leader. What was his what was he known for saying in his speech? Mike, he said, I, I have a dream. I have a dream. Exactly. He was a leader. I have mm-hmm. a dream. He didn't say, I have a plan. And here's the PowerPoint presentation to go with it. <laughs> that was, yeah, that would make him the manager. On this week's episode of The Selling Podcast, we are back talking about leadership in sales. We are back with our good friend, Damian Cook, as we finish out last week's episode talking about leadership and management in sales. Leadership and management are two totally different things. They are fundamentally similar, but a leader is one who's going to give a vision and a manager is going to be somebody who's able to carry out that vision. Two different skill sets. We're going to dive into them. We're also going to talk about the fundamentals of a team. Trust is crucial. Without trust, well, you really lack a lot of what builds a great team. Having great trust with inside of a group, you can share everything, you can tell them everything. They're going to help carry the slack when you're having a tough time. That's the importance of having trust in a team. So sit back, enjoy this week's episode of The Selling Podcast as we talk about sales, leadership, in teams. All right, we're recording. With over 50 years and millions of worldwide traveled miles between the two of us, we have tasted defeat and relished in sweet, sweet victory. Looking for inspirational entertainment, motivation, and practical insights to drive your business? Welcome to the Selling Podcast. That's that's a that's a great example of the difference between a manager and a leader. And I think I choose my words carefully, management and leader. Um, because they're, they're very, I always think of a manager as having impeccable, uh, uh, expense approving abilities and impeccable, uh, career <laughs> conversation, uh, <laughs> triaging and, 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 and having that, I guess being a leader is, I, I used to stop saying that I was a sales manager and, and in, in, with certain friends, I would say I'm a motivation manager. And I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before to you guys i feel like that was more important than the sales because the sales can go up and down and can be sometimes out of our control but i suppose having people feel motivated in the team with either that dream or with that lofty endpoint is is so much more valuable than um than, than than a great plan i mean we all know that saying was it culture eats strategy for breakfast that is something that I believe. Uh, if I could get that tattooed in Chinese symbols on my back, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I, I really think that, um, yeah, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I've seen that happen time and time again um, in my team. And I can't And I was actually listening to, I'm a bit of a fanboy now, gentlemen. I was listening to a previous podcast. Wait, where- Jocko? No, where you guys were talking. <laughs> oh, of us, of us. Oh, this is really you guys. You guys were having a conversation about how, um, you know, Q1. If you number- say it was with, if if you say it was with you, that would be even better. I'm a huge <laughs> fanboy. I'm a huge fanboy when I'm on your program. I love this Australian guy gets uh, off on tangents. He's hilarious. No, um, the the uh, 
Um, the you, you guys were talking about how it's very hard to hit your numbers in Q1, like straight out of the gate, mm-hmm. tough to hit your numbers. I have a story about um, uh, my time. Again, I'll bring up my APV team. I took over that team and it felt like a basket case. It was very, it was all over the place. And we weren't hitting numbers. The first year were, were terrible. And then we, we launched it. But it felt like the team were, we were getting the culture together. We were getting that dream together. We were getting that, um, that, that team spirit together. And, and we would have quarterly, um, get togethers. It was great. We we're doing all the right things, but nothing was happening. And that went for pretty much four quarters. And then in Q1 of the new financial year, we all got our numbers. I've never experienced anything like it. Like in, in, in that, there's a book about called, I think it's called Chasing Fire, where they talk about the switch being turned on in SEAL teams. And it was like that. The switch just went and everything went crazy. It was like I'd sandbagged. It was just that these were the sales, these were the sales. Q1, bam, just went straight up. And oh, I've never you. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. It was amazing. And there was a start of, a, of quite an awesome roller coaster ride with that team. Um, and, uh, and I suppose I wanted to give that example because when, when all of the ingredients are right and when everyone's motivated, everyone sees that dream and everyone kind of buys into that team culture, um, just phenomenal things can happen. And it's not because I had the best strategy. I had no strategy. I didn't, I barely, I still don't know what a guide wire is. Um, I, I, like it, it was just put, connecting the dots for the team, putting the team together and making sure that they knew I suppose what excellence looked like, not from me, but but, but from promoting people within the team, um, that they, they just took off. Um, and it, like I said, it was not because I was uh, a great manager. It was I think just we we had the leadership principles right for that team right from the beginning, and it just took off. So I suppose I, I, I heard you guys talk about it hard hitting in Q one, and that I just wanted to bring that one up. When everything is right, when all the pieces are, are just perfect, it's um it's a beautiful thing to watch takes a lot of the friction away but i i want to i want to argue one point with you yeah i don't think you're a good motivational leader oh you don't here's, oh, no, no here's here's why yeah don't if you really boil it down there are only two motivating factors for anyone pain or pleasure mm-hmm. right yeah instead i would argue that you could substitute the word inspirational leader because you can inspire someone but motivation has to be internal. That is true. Does that make sense? No, that is true. And so, look, and, yeah, true, true. And to quote Goggins, uh, David Goggins, who is another one that I reckon you like, Scott, motivation is crap. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if we're relying on motivation, it comes and goes. Um, it's kind of that discipline that really carries through when there is a tough day or a tough quarter mm-hmm. of, of focusing on what the end goal, like, uh, is is uh, is the end of the the end of the tunnel or the, on the horizon or however you want to describe it? So yeah, oh, thank you, thanks, um, thanks, Mike. I'll, I'll take that as a massive compliment. Yeah, it is because I find you incredibly inspiring. <laughs> I mean, to listen to you, I get fired up. Let's go do this. I mean, to me, it's very inspiring. Mike, I want to come back to manager versus leader, but before I do, I do want to share my story because Damien, as you're talking about this this team. And the, motiv- and the motivation, what everybody internally was willing to give and do, it started with you, but it didn't just live with you. It lived with the team. And the reason this is super critical is this story. I jumped on as a consultant for a sales group 
um, for actually a company, but leading the sales team. And the internal culture was horrible. So I gathered everybody together and there was you know less than 20 people, but I gathered everybody together and said, hey, listen, we really have to change this around. Here's what we're going to do. Outlined you know, some, some of the basic culture, some, some beliefs. We had beliefs, we had actions, what we're going to be doing. You know, developed, created this whole process and this whole culture. And unfortunately, they all looked to me to be the one to start it, and which I did. And so it's, they, I started it, yet they continued to look to me to push it, to perpetuate the culture. And so I was the only one that was doing it. So come a month and a half in, I'm still the only one, still trying to motivate push. I get infuriated with this one person from marketing, just <laughs> raging mad. And he's, he's oh, it's marketing. Oh, horrible. <laughs> but he, he sent me an email and he said, hey, we didn't do this because of this. And it's like, we already had this conversation. You were going to ship all this stuff out. You know, there's a promotion that's going on. This was going to happen. It fell on you. And he says, well, no, it's not what you told me, blah, blah, blah. Well, so I copied everybody in the company, sent the original email that had him responsible. And I said, hey, dear research team, here is what happened. And then the subsequent paragraph, dear you know, CEOs, here's what happened. Dear such and such, here's what happened. And just put everybody on this one email thinking, oh, yeah, I'm going to rally the troops. And a little side, I'm going to take you know, a nice solid jab. Yeah, yeah. Well, passive, that- passive aggressive attack. As as you well would imagine, that went over <laughs> splendidly well. Yeah. Um, and and everybody, everybody responded and said, um, yeah, that's an inappropriate email and we should take that offline. Wow. And it just and nothing what I said was bad. It just it yep. just crashed everything that I've been trying to build for a month and a half. It yep. just totally destroyed it. And it was okay, Scott, you're a poser, you've lost trust with all of this. And the, one of the reasons I feel is because I was the only one that was perpetuating this culture. Mm-hmm. And while there was buy-in, I, it, it hadn't grown. It hadn't developed. When yeah. you share your story after a year, everybody's bought in, everybody's going along. Then if you were to have one of those emails, people are going to say, oh, hey, totally get where you're coming from. Yeah. We support you. Bad email. No worries. We're going to move on. The culture is going to survive. Yeah. For me, it was just too soon, bad right from the get-go, and it crashed the whole culture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Scott, like, mate, hats off to, like, for you to talk about a story like that. There's, I think that um, the world isn't oh, as good. Oh, I'm done sh- shedding tears. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm still this, mad at him. Like, to this day, I'm still mad at him, but that's a different story. <laughs> like, the world would be, the sales world, and just generally the world would be a better place if we had more men and women like you to 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 describe and to 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 be brave enough to be like, hey, this is it. This is a type didn't go well. Because the reason is, is because then we learn from that, right? And then, you know, if you went in a meeting people that you didn't even know and you were vulnerable vulnerable enough. I mean, we're on a podcast, so I guess it's the same thing. If you're vulnerable enough to share things like that, it's amazing what that, giving that vulnerability and that trust, because that's what you're doing as well, then just mm-hmm. comes right back. It just comes right back at you. Um, and I think that the, um, that, oh gosh, it's hard. You always remember those examples of where you've, you've made a misstep, but, but you always learn from them. And I think that that, that story really brings 
to the fore, one of my, um, I guess one of the rules I'd live by with building engagement in teams is that consistency piece. Cause it takes uh, I, I, nine months for some reason sticks in my head as like this magic number, but a year, maybe like, it's like a year to have a change take place, but then be concreted in for then a mistake to happen. And then people then just to drift back to the default because it's like, it's, but it is such a challenge. And, um, Goodness knows, I've I, there's been a few emails I've almost pressed sent on, and then um, that's probably one of the main things I learned from my father is that he always said that if ever there was an email that he felt a little bit dodgy about, he'd just well, he's old school, so it'd be typed probably on a typewriter. So I put it in my desk, <laughs> put it in my desk next to my uh, I don't know my quill and ink. Yep. Uh, and, yeah. and, <laughs> and then and then and then decide if I'm going to send it tomorrow. And when I've done that, invariably, invariably, not not been one example where this hasn't happened. I've never sent it. Never sent it. Or I've never. Oh, done. but I felt so good pushing send. <laughs> like it felt so good. No, was it worth all of it? No, but man, did it feel uh, good. It no, felt it, good. I think I think it goes. I think it goes. You need to get champions on your culture as fast as possible. Totally. So earlier in this earlier, you, you mentioned two names, you know, a girl and a guy, yeah. and they would have been early adopters to your culture and they would have helped perpetuate this when you're not there. Like yeah. getting early adopters, early champions is crucial when starting to build a new type of culture. Oh, hundred percent. And like for, for many, it's multifactorial, right? It's not just getting those early adopters and that critical mass of people on board. It's also that what I notice anyway, is that they keep me honest. When you get some culture champions or engagement champions or, or whatever it is that you're trying to push in a particular team, as managers or as leaders, we, you get busy. Sometimes it's frantically busy and people aren't aware of, of the amount of, of weight on your shoulders. It might be a cranky surgeon or it might be really miffed stakeholder whatever it is we can get derailed with our focus and what i love about having those early adopters or those champions is that you know it'll be friday at 3 p.m and i'm thinking oh my god i'm totally going to be working over the weekend this has been a nightmare of a week and now i'll mention just gently hey damo what are your thoughts on um getting the, t- the team together in a fortnight it's getting close to the end of quarter so, so then they remind me of the things that I know that I need to be doing. Um, so then I can keep that consistency um, and can keep that that trust that the team know um, that when a change happens or if something gets implemented, that that's really happening um, because it's it, it's so powerful to have the team really believe that. Firstly, because then they they just it's just a nice feeling knowing that their leader isn't someone too flighty. Um, but it also means that when a change happens, they know the gravity in which it's happening. So if I say, right, from here on in, we're going to be doing a, a mid-quarter pounder, which was a name that I gave to a mid-quarter meeting, which is the best meeting <laughs> name ever. Anyway, and that was a name, I think Tim, one of my in- engagement champions, um, offered up. It's a great name. So when I've, when I've said that to the team, they all know, oh, okay, this is happening, not just next month or the month after we're doing this. You know, we're doing this every quarter now from now on, and, you know, at least giving it a good time to bet in. But yeah, mate, honestly, hats off to but you this, for sharing that story. That was awesome. But this is why I think you are an inspirational leader, because if you knew you had to work all weekend or if you knew a member of your team had to work all weekend, I've heard you make the call saying, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. I really appreciate the effort that's going into it. What do I need to do to help you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I've heard you say that to people. So to me, to me, that's inspirational because if I know I've got to go into the weekend and I've got a project that I have to work on, 
if my leader or my manager said, I need, I want to help you. What can I do? Yeah. Mike, with that, it's the whole, going back to what, what Damien was talking about, it's care about the team. The challenge is, is a great team is diverse. Like mm-hmm. you're not all the same personalities. You yeah, must have not. different. Yeah. But so with that though, how do you care for diverse personalities? Like there's some people I know I just don't get along with. Yeah. There always will be. <laughs> yeah, no, totally right. I'm, I'm I sorry. I have to be part of the conversation, Scott, <laughs> because it's. <laughs> and do I need Mike on my team? <laughs> So I think one of the, and I've been, the, the whole uh, time I've been thinking about us all catching up, I, I keep reminding myself, there's two people I want to mention. Uh, one of them is Janelle Batchelor and one of them is Gary Dow. So Janelle was one of the, the last leaders I worked for at Medtronic before I, um, I've, I've gone off on my own. Um, and Gary Dow is my, my mentor slash coach that I've worked with for a number of years. And I'll, I'll talk about Janelle, but she has this ability to uh to she genuinely cares about her team and but i guess to answer your question if if someone is particularly toxic or awful in a team then it's the it's the leader's job to get that person out right but let's say it's a person that's just a differing style right like someone is really just it's a complete opposite part of the quadrant right there's always going to be conflict and something that i've seen her do and i i know i try to emulate that's when you, you either need to be very, very good at faking bits of it or very, very good at then reframing their challenges as positives. Because I, I think it's just, uh, I, I think it's so important to care about your team. Otherwise, everything falls apart. It just becomes a numbers game and everyone thinks, oh, we're just a number, we're replaceable. And then discretionary effort suffers. But I've seen her do this really well where I know that she's got a differing style to someone but she just has this wonderful way about her where, where people wouldn't know. Um, and I guess some people could say that is, um, you know, I wouldn't, want to, I wouldn't want to say that I was being fake in, in, in pretending like I cared more about a person. But I suppose if, you, if, you, if you've got someone that's a differing style and you recognise that, then it's pretty easy to reframe that as a leader and, and not concentrate on the parts of their personality that, uh, is grating for me so but just concentrating so rather than so i'm not someone that likes to get lost in the detail i'm not a spreadsheet guy i'm not a i'm not someone that likes to plan 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 and then cross all the the t's and dot all the i's at the end i'm a more big picture and more fun and even the but, way i describe <laughs> my, even the way i describe that shows my bias towards people that are <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do spreadsheets. I want to be more fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm just not boring like those guys. But but like we've got but, a difference, right? And um and I suppose seeing that that personality for what it is and and as brilliant and as as um as fitting into the parts where I lack as as a really good positive, it's easier for me then to convey that emotion to the person that they know that I care. Even though I, would I want to hang out with them personally for hours and hours talking about how much they've planned stuff and how much they like to finish off projects and leave no stone unturned probably not but uh, but i can see uh but i can see i guess their genius within and i can see their their talents within and try to avoid that that conflict of styles but i but like i said wanted to mention janelle janelle is the a superstar a wizard um at doing that so i can see where janelle would be able to 
a first recognize that you're different ends of the spectrum and your styles are different, but then B be able to not focus on the differences, but to turn and focus what can be accomplished and the task at hand towards the goal. So that's what I think was her genius is being able to refocus her, her efforts. Yeah. Yeah. There was times I would hang up the phone to Janelle and just, I won't say the words I use, but it was just, my God, she's good. Like she's, <laughs> she's just, <laughs> and I'd text her, I'm like, that was amazing. Like, I, I, I know what you're doing there. You did it so well. Um, so it, it is, um, and it's such a treat. Like, isn't it such a treat? Because it, we've worked, we've all worked with surgeons. We've worked with, with, with um, you know, with people that are, that are some pretty high performing uh, individuals. And even so, I would still say that I'd love to hear what your thoughts are here, um, guys. I would say that really great leaders is about 20% and really great surgeons, probably about 20%. I don't know. What do you, I always, I always defer to Pareto's law if I'm in doubt of something (laughs) and 20% seems about right. And I think the reason that it, that, that it's, it's so low is, is because of that care caring factor and the, the challenge of, of promoting sales, great sales reps that are more insular into a leadership capacity where it's not about them. Like Joko, okay, number two Joko quote, it's, it's not about you, but it's all on you. And I think that quote um, uh, uh, is, is a great way of explaining why it's so challenging to get people from a good sales position to a good leadership position, because it's a, re- it's a refocus of someone's energy and what they care most about, as opposed to me, uh, and, and redirect that to the team. Mike, we're going to have to talk about managing and leadership different time there. What I do want to highlight really quickly, I'm trying to separate care and trust, and I can't. When we talk about care of us being able to care for an individual on our team, what comes to my mind is implicit trust. Mike, I trust you with everything. And so like, that's a mistake. And and, and if it is, it's one I will make over and over and over again. Like, and that's, and that's where Mike for you and, you know, Jeff Regan, another one, like I trust Jeff with everything. Um, You know, there are certain people on teams, you know, teams that I'm currently working on that I just, I trust them. Mm. And even if there was a small breach of trust, it's like, yeah, we can get over that because I, I care for you. You know, I understand where you're coming from. You're open. No major violations of trust. That would be a big issue mm-hmm. because it's going back. Mike, I, I, I trust you. Like it's, mm-hmm. there's everything, everything is, is open. Everything shared. It's all there. Well, I appreciate that. But that, that opens up at a completely different avenue of discussion away from leadership. Cause that gets into more of the psychological sure. and emotional components, but for another yeah, show so, another time. So, and I think so. I, I th- you're absolutely correct. A, a good leader, though, mm-hmm. is going to form a team where he can trust all people on his team. Yeah. And if he, he or she can't trust people on their team, then you need to get them off your team. Like, yeah. If you can't trust somebody, a good leader, you kick them off. Yeah. So, Damien, <laughs> yeah. So, Damien, it looks like we have to have you back at least one more time. Oh, I know. Please. <laughs> Like as as many times as you guys would have me, I'll I'll come on. But I love, but you, but that just quickly, Scott. You right. That's a really good point. The trust piece, and I think that they are hard to separate. 
And I think it's because they're both, they may, because they're different things, but they're both vital. And I know that if I, if, yeah, like, and I'll use Janelle again. Jan, like I've worked for leaders where they have, um, they pass down numbers or they pass down different things. And, you know, and, and this is back and forth, back and forth. Janelle used to be able to, because she was vulnerable to me, we trusted each other. I really did trust her. Um because she cared, I guess, as well. But that trust piece, she told me anything. It was the only time I've not argued about a number being thrown on me. I'm like, well, that's a number. I'll go get it. Um, And that was that. I was so easy to manage because I really (laughs) did believe that she had my back and that she wasn't trying to, um, uh, there was nothing untoward there. But yeah, trust, hey, that uh, that would, that's a whole, uh, I agree. All right, Damien, next time we talk about manager versus leader, we talk about care versus trust, and we talk about how to disagree effectively. See, now this is where we can really get into it, because if you think back to uh, going back to the baseball analogies, because I love baseball analogies, Mm -hmm. the early 1970s, 1980s, the New York Yankees won a lot of championships, a lot of world championships. They hated each other. There were fist fights in the dugout. But on the field, when they were required to perform, they worked very well as a team. So we can explore that later. Uh, I like a baseball analogy because it's the only sport uh, that I like. I actually really understand that one. <laughs> <laughs> you started talking about awesome. like football ones. Nah, I would not know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it <with> baseball, gents. <laughs> Damien, thanks again for joining this week's episode of The Selling Podcast. We talk about leadership, what not to do, and how to build an effective culture. We'll continue it next time. Damien, thank you. Thank you. We'll be back. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Apologies for being late. Yes, let's do this again. Forever. We'll do it again. You're on. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Damien. Thanks, guys. See you soon.